Okay, so we are holding by the second of the Birchas Kriyashma, which is in, in the sitter that most people have around the table is on page 44, but not everyone. There's English Shadur on different ones. Um, but we discussed last week and the week before. No, that's at Tehillim. That's not going to work. I brought it. It's not thing. I don't know what I did. Okay, there's, but there's Shadurim here. So we discussed that Chazal um, instituted a number of brachas surrounding Kriyashma. The actual mitzvah is the mitzvah to say Kriyashma, which is the three parshias. Um, but in order to prepare us properly, to do this mitzvah properly, we have brachas before and after. Um, and they're unique brachas. We discussed they're different than most brachas that are before a mitzvah. Right? Uh, typically, Asher Kedushana B'Mitzvah said it's Ivanu Al fill in the blank, right? Every mitzvah. But the Birchas Kriyashma are much more um, lengthy and involved brachas, and they're in order to help us fulfill the mitzvahs of Kriyashma properly. In Kriyashma we have Kabbalah El Malchus Shemayim, the acceptance of the yoke of heaven. In Kriyashma we have Avas Hashem, the Haftas Hashem the acceptance of learning Torah, the Dibartabam, the Shinantam Levanecha, all the basic mitzvahs that we have are in Kriyashma. And therefore, the, uh, the Chachamim instituted these brachas to bring us up to there, to bring us to be able to experience Kriyashma properly. Um, so we discussed that they instituted seven brachas in all um, surrounding Kriyashma three in the morning and four in the evening. Right? The, in the morning, we had two brachas before Kriyashma and one after. And in the evening, we have two before Kriyashma. When I say evening, I'm referring to Mayriv. Um, two before and one after. Uh, two before and two after. So seven altogether. So the last two weeks, we discussed the first of the Birchas Kriyashma, which was really a bracha that was primarily about malachim, about angels. Those, uh, most of you were here last week. Remember, we were discussing the different types of angels and the different shiras that they sing for Hashem and our lessons that we learned from those angels. And that was the first bracha, which finishes... Baruch Atah Hashem Yoytzer HaMa'irais that Hashem created all the luminaries. That's the first bracha of Kriyashma. The second bracha begins, Avas Eilam Ahavtonu. Some people have the Nusach Ahavarab. Um, but it talks about Hashem's tremendous love to us and for us and our reciprocal love for Hashem. Really, you know, everyone connects perhaps the different parts of davening more. But without a question, this second bracha of Kriyashma is one of the most beautiful brachas in davening. And we talk about Hashem's tremendous love for us and His tremendous compassion and mercy for us. And we ask Hashem to help us serve Him better. Um, I don't know if there's another part of davening where as much we're asking Hashem to help us love Him, to help us learn and understand Him, to help us do the mitzvahs properly. And really, that's all what this bracha is about. Because, and I'm sure we've discussed in the past, that the way Hashem created is that love, and even last week we spoke about it, is reciprocal. And when one feels love from another, one returns that in kind. Right? There's the Pasuk in Mishle, Kamayim ha'panim la'panim, kein lev ha'adam el ha'adam, just like water reflects a face, a heart reflects a heart. So in this bracha, which starts off with Avas Ulam Hashem that Hashem 
loves us with a everlasting love, an everlasting, a, a tremendous mercy. So when we talk about Hashem's love for us, that makes us want to love Hashem more. And therefore we ask Hashem to help us in our quest of loving Him more and understanding Him more and learning about Him more and fulfilling His mitzvahs more. And that's what this bracha is really all about. So we go on and we say, Avinu Malkeinu, a father, a king, he says, um, for the sake of your great name and for the sake of the others that trusted in you, and you taught them chukei chayim. You taught them the laws of life. And I want to talk about this, this quote for just a, a moment. There's a beautiful idea in the Hayyim Yoyim um, that the Rebbe brings from the previous Rebbe, that the mitzvahs are called chukei chayim, laws of life. And he says that every country or every, um, every social type of uh, country or state or city has laws. But most laws are created by life, meaning because we want to live and we want to live safely and we want to live properly and we want to live happily. So we create laws in order to help us live the way we want to live. Right? That's what the um, most laws are for. So we, we start off with life. I have to tell you this, that about 10 minutes ago, just before I came here, I was reading a uh, story, to, bedtime story to, uh, not a story, reading a book to Getsy, one of your students, right? Um, and it was a, story, a book about safety, one of the books about safety and all the different things of safety. And it says that Hashem wants us to be safe. So he asked me, Getsy, he says, I don't understand. If Hashem says we don't have to be afraid of anything in the world aside from Him, why do we have to worry about being safe? Good question. So this was our this was the pre-shear shear. Um, <laughs> but anyhow, so most laws are created by life. But the laws of Torah create life. It's a different way. This is a verse from the Free Dikirebbe. He says, again, we laws, every every country has laws. Why? Because we have life. And in order to live our life to its fullest, we need laws to maintain and to make sure the life works. Hashem's laws are not just because we're alive and we need to have a way to live better. Hashem's law, laws give us life and infuse us with life. And that's why the terminology is not or, or a different way of writing it, not life-creating laws, but laws that create life. That's just a, a beautiful word from, from the Yom Yom. But anyways, so we're saying, so Hashem... Gave our Aves the laws of life and to do your will with a full heart. Came to Chaneinu Islamdeinu, so Hashem, you should help us learn and understand this as well. Avinu of Arachman, our father, merciful father, Hamirachim, who's merciful on us. Rachim na'aleinu. Notice we, we, we used here the word Rachamim three times. Our merciful father, who is merciful, have mercy on us. It's a bracha all about Hashem's Rachmanus on us because. Of you know, we know who we are. We know our you know our smallness when we when we're talking to Hashem, and therefore we're asking for Hashem to have rachmanus. And we ask, we begin asking for help in our avodas Hashem. And what's the first thing we ask for? Visein belibenu bina. Put in our hearts bina. What does bina mean? Understanding, right? Lahavin or haskil to understand. Lashmaya to listen, Lulma to learn, Lulama to teach, etc., etc., etc. And here there's an obvious question, which is there seems to be something interesting about the wording here and the request. Hashem should put understanding in our hearts. 
Now, the way we typically understand ourselves is we have a mind and we have a heart. Our mind is our place of intellect and our heart is a place of emotion. And here we're mixing the two. We're asking Hashem that in our hearts bring understanding. What are we saying? Um, seemingly, we should have, should have said, V'sein bimocheinu or b'rosheinu bina. Give, give understanding in my mind or in my head. Or v'sein bilibeinu ava. Right? Love, fear, simcha, bitachon, emotions belong in the heart and intellect in the mind. And yet, in our very first request over here, we're asking Hashem to give our heart intellect. What does that mean? What does that mean? So, what it means is the following. The two most important parts of who we are as far as leading our behaviors is our mind and our heart. With our mind, we learn and we understand. With our heart, we feel. Um, perhaps the biggest, or one of the biggest problems that we suffer from is when the mind doesn't translate into the heart. In other words, we understand something, we know something, it makes perfect sense, but what I want and what I feel is something totally different. And this, is, this, this can be on every level of ex to, from extreme to small. But the basic concept of uh, what I understand is one world, one concept, and what I feel is a different concept. The Rebbe Rashab, the fifth Rebbe of Lubavitch, whose birthday was this past week on the 20th of Cheshvan, um, one time had to travel, for, he met with some great uh, doctors and professors, I'm not sure for what reason. And they, they realized they were talking to a great person, a great scholar, a terrorist scholar, tzaddik. So they asked him, what do you teach? You know, what, what is, you know? And he says that I'm teaching, I teach Torah that helps me, that helps us, myself and people I teach, to love and fear Hashem. So I'm teaching intellect in order to guide our emotions. So the professor asked him, he says, intellect and emotion? That is like an ocean between them. This is a non-Jewish professor, but a, a wise person. So what's the relate? Intellect and emotion are two different worlds. And the Rebbe Rishab says, correct. And my job is to build bridges from intellect to emotion. And that's what I'm teaching. And that's what Torah is really there for. Torah is not a study of intellect for the sake of intellect. Of course, we use our intellect and we, we try to harness our intellect to understand and learn more and more and more. But it's all about finding the right bridge to be able to take from what we understand into what we feel. And that's the same bilibenu bina. We're not asking Hashem, make me smarter. Right? That's important also. It's important to be smart. But that's not essentially important. However, person is as smart as they are, it's fine. We have enough bina. The question is, is our bina coming into our hearts? Is it affecting our hearts so that the way we feel and therefore the way we act is in accordance with the way we understand? That's the same bilibenu bina. In fact, there's so much about that so much of negativity comes when, when there is that lack of channeling. For example, it says, um, it says that actually even everything, you know, the physical body, even the way it's formed, is that there's the mind, the head, and then there's the heart, and in between there's the neck. The neck is narrow. And that narrowness represents where the mind has to travel through and get to the heart. Um, Mitzrayim, according to Kabbalah, is Mitzar. 
the mitzar, the narrowness, and Kabbalah calls it mitzar hagoron, the narrowness of the neck that's not allowing the head to come into the heart. And in fact, the word paro, who's the king of Mitzrayim, is the same letters as the word orif, which means the back of a neck. So it's as if, uh, metaphorically, paro is at the back of the neck, not allowing the head to come into the heart. It says, learn, understand as much as you want. As long as it doesn't translate to the way you feel, I'm okay. Right? And Yitzias Mitzrayim is to be able to make sure that what comes into the head does make it to the heart and therefore affects the way that we act as well. But let's take it one step further. How, indeed, is the mind supposed to translate to the heart? After all, the mind is understanding. It's intellectual. The heart is emotional. So, does the heart understand intellect? Does emotion really understand intellect? Emotion is emotion and intellect is intellect. So how do we get that our heart, v'sein b'li beinu bina, what are we asking for? That we should get smart hearts? Right? I mean, we've, we have smartphones, but like smart, how do you have a smart heart that should understand what I'm learning? So I want to share just one very beautiful idea. And that is that really, intellect also has two parts to it. it to use the, the terminology of Hasidus, there's... There is chitzenius of seichel, the external aspects of seichel, and pnimius of seichel, the internal aspects of seichel. The heart has difficulty with the external aspect of seichel, but understands the internal aspect of seichel of intellect. Allow me, allow me to explain. There's, when, you, when we understand something, right? we learn something and we try to understand something. So there's two steps in understanding. One is the basic intellectual build. Right? I get it. There's a question, there's an answer. There's, I, I, I can say over the idea. But then there is, I think the best way to say this, I'll use a, a word of slang. Sometimes you could learn something and learn it and learn it and learn it, then suddenly you get it. Internalized. How do you explain get it? <laughs> is get it internalized? No, no, I'm, before internalized. Even in the level of intellectual learning, in other words, I could, I could learn something, whether it's a mimer or something else, and I can say it over and I know it and I can get 100 on the test, but I don't get it. Somehow I know the intellectual steps, but I didn't really get what I'm learning. And sometimes, at some point later, I might not even be in the middle of learning it. Suddenly, the whole thing like becomes clear to me. Suddenly, I got what I learned. What happened? What happens when we get it, what we learn? What happened was that it wasn't just vague intellect. That concept really now... For, I got it. I really, it makes sense to me. It's real to me. It's not just words. It's not just A plus B equals C. The Suddenly, <coughs> the light bulb turned on, right? I'm sorry? Not necessarily. According to Hasidus, this is called the, the getting the pnimius of the seichel. The chitsoinius of the seichel, the external parts of the idea, is just the, the equations. You know, I, I know the setup. The, 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 this was the question, that was the answer, this is the proof. That's the chitsoinius. Really, what we're trying to, when we're understanding something, there's a concept. I'm trying to bring that concept and connect to it, bring it into me. Our intellect is a tool. Intellect is a tool, just like we use a, a tool like a fork to pick up food. 
or a plier to pick up something else. Intellect is a tool to pick up concepts. Right? You can't pick up a concept with a fork. But you can pick up a concept with intellect. But you just pick it up. Then you have to connect it to me. So intellect is a tool that helps bring the concept into me. But as long as it's just words, so fine, I picked it up. as sort of still hanging there in that fork called intellect. And then somehow I thought about it enough and I internalized enough until I got it. And that's why the more we think about something, the more we think it over and roll it over in our minds, the more we're internalizing the idea that we got. Once we get it, then our relationship to it is beyond intellect. It's not just that I know the steps. <coughs> this thing is real to me. That my heart gets. Heart doesn't get just intellect. Because the heart is emotional, not intellectual. So you have a good equation and a good, you know, A plus B, C, D, E, F, G. My heart says, wake me up when you're finished. And I'm not interested. It doesn't talk to a heart. <coughs> but when you get it, so now this is much more than just the intellectual steps of it. The, the, the idea that I learned is becoming part of me. Once it became part of me, then my heart is able to feel it as well. And then I'm able to have an emotional attachment to it and ultimately emotional feelings that come from that understanding. That's why, you know, sometimes children have a difficulty with learning something more than once. Sometimes not just children. But we'll say children, right? Because none of them are around. So, but, you know, you start saying a mice, you start saying a story with a Shabbos table. I know that one already. I know that one. I know that one. If you've ever experienced this, right? And yet, maturity is the ability to understand that learning is not about the first time I heard it. The first time I heard it, I, don't, I didn't get it at all. When I learn something, and I review it, and I review it, and I review it, what happens every time I review something? One can argue, I, I know it already, why am I reviewing it? What's reviewing really about? Connecting to the thing that I learned. And the more I reviewed it, the more that thing becomes part of me and real to me. That's why when it comes to Torah, we'll, we'll learn something and relearn it and relearn it and relearn it. Hasidim, before davening, would think over a concept in Hasidus once and twice and ten times and a hundred times. Not because they didn't understand it, but because they're trying to connect to the concept. It shouldn't just be an intellectual thing. Right? I'll tell you a story because I have to say it. I've said it so many times, but I, it's one of my favorite, favorite stories which is that when I was a, a Talmud, I was a student uh, shliach in Kfar Chabad, so I had the great privilege of meeting one of the great Hasidim of our generation, Reb Mendel Futterfas, who you've heard of. Um, he was in Chicago many times, perhaps some of you remember, but this is way back, 30 years ago probably. I mean, he's already passed away 20-something years ago. Anyhow, so one time he called me out in the morning after his Hasidus, we learned Hasidus that morning, and he calls me over, he says, did you learn Hasidus this morning? I said, yes. So he says, okay, so start telling me over what you learned. You know, he was a little older than me, like 70 years. <laughs> he was almost 90 and I was almost 20. So we were, we were good friends. So he says, say over to me what you learned this morning. So I started saying over, and it was actually a mimer of the Rebbe Rashab, who I mentioned earlier. I started saying over, I started saying a piece, and he right away finishes it. I start the line, he finishes the line. It was evidence. I said, remember, you can't the mimer. You know this mimer. He says, yes. I said, you learned it recently? He says, no, not recently. When did you learn it? So it's been about 70 years. 
He learned it when he was 20. When it was said. So I said, 70 years and you remember it so well? She says, yeah. He says, when you learn something 350 times, then it becomes part of you. And 70 years doesn't make a difference. So I said, 350 times? You learned the minor? He says, yeah. He says, Armashpia taught us the minor, and he instructed us to review, learn it by heart. And every day before davening, for, to think it over. Go through the steps, think over the minor. Take 15 minutes, 20 minutes before davening, and think it over. And I did it for a year. So a year is about 350 days, plus a couple of times to learn it by heart. He said, like the most matter-of-fact thing in the world. So, so, I, so 350 times I learned this. And he finished again. He says, when you learn something 350 times, it becomes like part of you. So it's just like, like, do you, like, if you're 70, so you don't, your fingers fall off? I mean, like, it's part of you. He says, just because I'm 90, he says, that's what he said. So, the, see, so, so when learning is not just about getting the basic intellect, because if we're just looking for the intellect, after the first three times, it gets boring. I know it. I know the steps. I learned this already. I know it. If learning is about just picking up the intellect of it, then after a few times, it's, it's silly. But if learning is about connecting to what I'm learning, this is way beyond intellect. It's bringing that intellectual concept and making it part of me. That the heart feels, because that's not intellectual anymore. It's using the tool of intellect, like we said, like the fork, the tool to pick up the concept, but it's bringing it into me, making it part of me. Then the heart gets it as well. So when we're davening and we're asking Hashem, Visein bilibeinu bina, Hashem, we're asking for help, because everything we need help from Hashem for. Everything, even though we try and we work hard and say, but without say, without help of Hashem, nothing goes. So we're asking Hashem to help us specifically in this Avoida, that our heart should relate to what our mind understands. It shouldn't just be the world of intellect and the world of emotion. I learned certain things and now I'll feel certain things. But that the learning should be in a way that the ideas that I learned become part of me so that my heart can start feeling it as well. <laughs> And we go on to say lahavin or lahaskil to understand. Can I ask a question? Does of course. every piece of intellect have an outer piece and an inner piece? Like you learn a algebraic something or other. Every piece has. So, that, that's, so that, that's, a, that's a great question. That's a great question. I would think the answer would be yes. But it has to be something that's important to you personally. In other words, if it's something that I'm just learning because I need to know it for a test or for a profession, then it's not a life thing. So if it's not a life, it's not really negea to me. If it's not something that's, what's the word negea in English? It's not uh, important to me. Relevant, yeah. It's not relevant to me. So it's a concept. So then it's an intellectual concept. So I learn it. So a lot of the time, things that we're learning are just intellectual concepts that are nothing more than that. And if so, there's no reason why I would devote my life and energy to try to become part of it. But what if my life is mathematics? What if I live for mathematics? And, and I, uh, that's not me, by the way. I mean, more than two plus two, I don't know. But, but I'm saying, but, I, but I've heard of people that their whole life was in order to understand deeper and greater mathematics. And those were the people who are great in mathematics and wrote books on it and theories and, you know, and novel, novel approaches. They lived it. So if they lived it. It wasn't just, you know, an idea and algebraic concept to get by in a test. They lived it to the extent that that became part of them. That's what they dreamt about by night, that this woke up in the morning, and that's how they were able to um, introduce new mathematics to the world. So it depends on what's important enough for us so that we live with it.
And anything that's important enough for us can go beyond intellect and become something that we live with. So for a Yid, primarily that would be Torah, the things that we learn about Hashem and Hashem's Torah, that we're trying to understand much more than just the intellect of it, but to connect to it. But I, I assume that in every area of Seichel, of wisdom, if one desires to make that their life's passion, then they'll find deeper and deeper connection to what they're learning. Like some people favor some Zayim over others to do. It becomes like their... Because, right? Well, it, because they really resonate with it. Very well. And what we... You know, there's an interesting concept, which is what you want to learn, you're able to understand so much deeper and better. Because you want to. Now, the question is, just because I want to, understanding is the mind, wanting is the heart. What's the connection? Um, many times you have, especially I'm in a situation, is what I, what I do for a living is I'm teaching boys that are in their last year of yeshiva here, and they're thinking of where to go in the next year in yeshiva. So one of the most basic um, concepts that we tell is, where should you go learn? Where you want to. Mm-hmm. That's like more important than almost who the teachers are there, who the friends are there. Where do you want to? Because you're not going to succeed if where you don't want. To, where, where, if you're in a place that you don't want to be there, and that's from Chazal. The Gemara says, "A person should learn in the place where they want to learn, because that's where, where they'll truly understand what they're learning." So it's both about a physical place, and it's about what you want to learn. You have to put your energies into what your heart has a desire because then you'll really connect to it. Otherwise, it will just be words and lines and things that you can repeat over and not understand yourself even. Okay, so we're asking Hashem to help us that our, that, our, that our hearts should be able to understand and learn and teach and so on and so forth. Let's go a little further. Another powerful idea. We ask Hashem, just two, two lines later, illuminate, illuminate our eyes in your Torah. Connect our hearts to the mitzvahs that we do. Excuse me. What does the word yachid mean? Yachid levavinu. To be miyachid, yachid has different meanings. The word yachad or yichud can have different meanings. The simplest meaning, the first meaning that comes to mind of viyachid is unity, connect, right? Like achdus. So we say, viyachid levavinu, connect our hearts to the love and fear of your name. What does it mean to connect our hearts? Viyachid levavinu. So if we use this translation as viyachid, meaning to connect, what we're talking about really is our two hearts. Of course, we don't have two physical hearts. We're talking about the two powers in our heart, which is the godly soul and the animal soul, which means there is, and that's the basic Tanya, that we have within ourselves a godly soul, a part of Hashem. Part of Hashem loves Hashem. doesn't really need a lot of help to love Hashem. It's a part of Hashem that loves Hashem as it is. What it needs help is in revealing that love because it's in a body and it's in whatever else we're doing. So when we're talking about the godly soul, we're just talking about really revealing something that already has that feeling of love and fear for Hashem. But we also have an animal soul. And the animal soul is, is an animal. Animal soul. Are animals bad? I asked this before. No. Animals are not bad. They're just animals. So our animal soul is also not bad, really. It's just, it's just an, an animal. What does it mean, an animal? 
What's, what's the defining thing? It's just looking to take care of itself, to be happy, to feel good, to the pleasures of life. And that's really what is behind most of what we naturally do. We're just trying to take care of ourselves and feel good and enjoy and be happy. Now, that animal soul is natural, its natural disposition is for Gashmias, for the physical, the materialistic. That's our, our first and natural instinct. Um, so if we're looking for happiness, the first thing we think of is physical happiness, material happiness. Um, godly happiness is something that the animal doesn't really understand. It doesn't relate to it. Um, there's nothing against it. The animal soul is not bad. There's nothing against God. It just doesn't relate to it. It's something that's beyond it. So its natural desires are food or, or whatever else. The list is long. All the, all the regular physical materialistic desires of this world. And yet, we have a mission that even our animal soul should be affected to the extent that it should also love Hashem. And really, we say that later in Kriya Shema when we say, Right? We only have one heart. So proper grammar would be your heart. The two inclinations of the heart. Which means that Hashem wants us not only to reveal our godly natural love for Hashem, but to make that us as physical human beings, we should enjoy Godliness. We should enjoy mitzvahs. We should enjoy Torah. That's an educational process. We have to educate the animal soul to start loving something that on its own it doesn't really have any relationship to. So that's what viyached livavenu means. Bring both of our hearts together. We're davening to Hashem that it shouldn't be a one heart show. It shouldn't be my, my animal soul will take a nap and my godly soul will daven. No, we want to daven with both of our souls together. But of course the question is, how? How do we, how do we get an animal soul to love Hashem? How do, how do we inspire ourselves that our physical being, as physical, regular human beings, we should have a desire and a tainug, um, a love for Kedusha? So there's two answers to the question. One is simpler and one is deeper. The simpler answer is, you know how the animal soul gets inspired to godliness? It doesn't have to understand. It just gets inspired by the great revelation of the godly soul. I'll give you a, a simple uh, 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 an example. A person walks into a shul, and you see a lot of people davening with great kavana and fervor, tzaddikim, it's Rosh Hashanah, it's Yom Kippur, whatever, and the person gets inspired. Are you... And the person gets inspired and uplifted, and it's a spiritual um, atmosphere. Now, the person who got inspired understands why? Not necessarily. In other words, sometimes when something is very powerful is going on, that inspires even someone who doesn't really understand. You see the beauty, you see how everyone's involved, you see the inspiration, I'm inspired as well. In the same way, if my godly soul is very dominant within me and is very inspired and is dominant, so the animal soul, he lives right next door. I mean, actually, he's a roommate, not even next door. So the, if I'm inspired, 
in a godly way, my animal soul is going to be schlepped along just by the great enthusiasm and inspiration of the godly soul. So that's one way of affecting the animal soul, which is nice, but it's not internal. Because this person who walked into the shul and was very inspired by the beautiful atmosphere, after when they leave the shul and go back home, not much is going to be left because they weren't taught anything. They didn't really change. So the deeper way is through educating the animal soul. And what does that mean to educate the animal soul? It's actually a very simple concept. It's not so deep. And in other words, it is deep, but it's not, it's not, it's not as if like it's an impossible concept. The animal soul, all it is, is a power of, really, at the very essence, it's a power of taiva. Taiva is desire. What the desire should be for depends on how it's educated. Just like every person has certain basic desires, a child, a little child has basic desires. What happens when a child gets older? They grow up a little bit, hopefully, in their desires as well. So whereas when this child, what did the child want was the biggest, uh, more and more candies, like beleagueful candies, right? But you get older, suddenly it's not candies anymore, it's... Well, cell phones is like... <laughs> whatever. <laughs> fill, fill it in, right? right? Whatever it is. Now, but then you have, even before Ruchnius, you have people who develop a taste in finer things. Not everyone does. But some people develop a taste for... Fine jewelry. Fine jewelry. <laughs> right. Fine art. Fine art. Music. Fine wine. Fine, wine. fine tastes. Right. Now, all these finer things, they don't come naturally. You have to develop a taste for it. Right? So if you have these great artists sitting around the table and they're discussing these wonderful, beautiful pieces of art and someone walks in and says, this is nonsense. What is this? You know, my baby will do that. That's nothing. Uh, you don't understand, you have to develop a taste, you have to refine a taste. Which means that even in this very physical world, we understand that you can develop tastes for finer things to the extent that one who develops the taste for finer things, the less fine things might not talk to me whatsoever. And you have people who develop a taste for wisdom. Again, I'm not talking about Torah now, I'm not talking about Ruchnius. You have scientists and, and, and people of thought that they've developed the beautiful taste of wisdom to the extent that give them food. It's like, who needs food? I could learn, I could understand, I could plumb the depths of, of whatever study I'm learning, whether it's algebraic or whatever it is. But I'm, right? Just like we have the ability to refine our tastes from one physical thing to another physical thing, from candies to cell phones to computers to art to music to wisdom, Right? And we had that ability. We also had the ability to develop a different taste. And that's for Ruchnius, for godliness, and for Hashem. In other words, we could learn enough and understand enough of what's more important and what's less important, and what's more beneficial and what's less, more be less beneficial, what's more real and less real, that we could actually train ourselves as human beings, as the, as the animal soul of us, that that's where our passion and our tainug, our pleasure, and our love should lie, is in more spiritual things. And if you think about it, it's really, it's not even that different than, again, going from the candies, to the bicycles, to the cell phone, to the art, to the music, to the wisdom. All we're doing is upping the ante, because it all has one basic concept, which is, I desire what's good for me. 
That's what it's all about. The question is, what's good for me? So when I'm developing a taste, I'm explaining to myself that what's good for me is a higher level of goodness, a greater level of goodness. And therefore, what we're really saying when we say, V'yachid levavin, or V'hafta Hashem Lekacha B'chol levavcha, excuse me, B'shnei Yitzrecha, with the two inclinations, what we're saying is that a Yid has the, the mandate and the ability that our tainugim, our desires, and what should make us happy, and what should make us feel good, could be ruchnias, could be Torah, could be mitzvahs, could be getting closer to Hashem. Because the more we think about it and grow in, in spiritual maturity, we realize that is better and more important and more significant and more pleasurable and more meaningful than the cell phones and the bicycles and the jewelry, etc., etc., and the art and the music and the wine and everything. Now, I'm not saying we have to throw out the wine or the cell phone or anything else, but we're, we can work on developing that tainuk. And that's what the Pasuk means. And the Pasuk says, the Pasuk says, Libi ubsari yiranenu el chai. I'm drawing a blank right now. I'm not remembering where this Pasuk says. Is it, is it Tehillim? Libi ubsari. I think it is Tehillim. I just don't remember which parak. Libi ubsari, my heart and my flesh. Yiranenu will sing El Kel Chai to Hashem. What David Melech was saying is, not my neshama, my flesh. That's what I want physically. That's my physical desire. And I'm, I'm, being, I'm sorry for being repetitious. Just like that scientist who says, I don't care about food or drink. Give me another book to learn. Because I, I'm beyond that, the crass um, desires of a child. That's childish. I, I grew out of that. So a person who's more spiritual says, just give me Torah, mitzvah, Avas Yisrael, to be able to help another person. That makes me the happiest. And that's a special brach. And that's what we're asking. V'yachid levavenu. We're asking Hashem that both of our hearts together, should la'ava o li'ira shmecha, to love Hashem and to fear Hashem, together, the godly and animal soul. To be sure, the godly soul is always going to love on a higher level. The animal soul, the godly soul has a, a, a greater um, ability of, of recognition in Hashem and therefore a, a greater ability of, of love. But interestingly, the animal soul brings something to the table that the godly soul doesn't have. The animal soul has a certain passion that the godly soul doesn't. The godly is greater, without a doubt, but an animal is passionate. An animal is very powerful, even physically. Very, just like physically, an animal... There's a person and an animal. A person is on a higher level than an animal, understands, etc. But ultimately, the animal has greater strength than a person and can bring a person further than the person can go on his own. And spiritually speaking, when we get our animal soul into the picture and we, our, our, our desire um, and our passion for Kedusha is also with the animal side of ourselves, then we're actually more passionate than when one is just coming with the godly soul itself. I want to say to you, a where it says like, if a person has a strong um, nefesh abahamis, then their nefesh alapis is just as strong. Call me she yitzray godel mechaveray. I'm sorry. Call me she godel mechaveray yitzray godel heimenu. Whoever is greater also has a greater yitzahara. In other words, it goes together. And that's because Hashem creates everything in an equal way. There's always the Pasuk that says, Zel umas zeh, asa alakim. Hashem makes everything um, commensurate. So if a person has a very powerful godly soul, so he has a very powerful animal soul that because of the greatness of this godly soul, he has the ability to overcome. 
and ability to harness. Right? Hashem doesn't give every, anyone anything that they can't handle. So it's Sadiq. So Sadiq really had a greater animal soul, that he, but a greater godly soul, and he was able to conquer that. And in fact, interestingly, we use this in the other way. When we see someone who seems to be very a big Russia, we say that person must have very powerful neshama. Because if we see so much revealed negativity, that means Hashem gave, gave them also the ability to harness that and transform that. That means that they have a very powerful neshama inside. Right now it's not winning, but it must be there. Source-wise, we know that Esau has that. Right? That's the story of this week's parsha. Of, of this week's parsha, the whole story of Yitzchak and Esau, that Esau was this terrible person, and Yitzchak is investing all his love in Esau, because Yitzchak saw Esau's potential. So Yitzchak was able to see a Russia and know if he's such a Russia, he must have such a big kaya. Right, Rifka is a little more practical. <laughs> what time is it? I don't know where I'm, where I'm holding. Tent. Tent. There's another explanation of the word viyachid. Viyachid, we said, means to bring together, to unify. Yachid also means when something is very clear and refined. Um, when you say something is miyuchad, miyuchad means special. Totally, totally different meaning. Same word. Yachad can mean bring together two things. Yachad, right? Achdus. It also can mean special and refined. And this brings us to a different explanation, which also lies in these words. We ask Hashem to bring clarity and pristineness to our love and fear. What does that mean? Love and fear, there's so many different levels and types of love and fear. There's very basic love. Like, for example, it says in Pirkei Avos, there's Ava HaTluya Bedavar and Ava She'ina Tluya Bedavar. Right? What's an Ava HaTluya Bedavar? When I like something because, excuse me, it's good for me. I like someone because they're nice to me. Is that okay to like someone because they're nice to me? Of course it's okay. Is that real liking? Of course it is. But it's, um, I don't want to use the word shallow. Not, shallow is not the right word. It's, it's not, but let's say it this way. It's not a, a truer, higher level of love. It's a love that's based on a reason. So as the Mishnah says in Pirkei Avos, when you have an avaha tluya bedover, when you have a love that's based on something, batla dover, batla ha'ava, right? If, if I love someone or I like someone because they're nice to me and good for me, it's, it's good, it's fine, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's a limited love. And more than being a limited love, what, what it really means, I'm not really loving that person, if it's a person, for who they are. Right? When I'm loving someone because they're good for me, again, and again, there's nothing, I, I, I want to be clear about this, there's nothing wrong with loving someone because they're good for you. It makes sense. Someone gives you, someone's nice to you and it's good to you and nice to you, so that is going to bring about a reciprocal feeling of love. That's fine. But when you're loving someone because of what they gave you or they're good to you, you're not really loving them for who they really are. So it's, it's a love that is a lower level in relating to that person or to that entity. The more I truly love someone, the less it's about anything that they did for me or anything that they did, period. It's for who they are. Right? So in Avas Hashem also, we talk about love of Hashem. 
What's the, the most basic concept of loving Hashem? You teach a child, or ourselves, who are also children. What's the basic love for Hashem? Hashem gives me food, and He woke me up in the morning, and He makes me alive, and He takes care of this, takes care of that, and this, the list is endless. So all of that, is, is, is that Avas Hashem? Of course it's Avas Hashem. But it's a very basic level of Avas Hashem. It's Ava Hatluya Bedover. Because he woke me up this morning, and because he gave me food, and because he gave me appearance, because he gave me the Torah, because he gave me a Neshama, the list is endless. But that's not really loving Hashem for who Hashem is. Right? And then there's a higher level of love, where it's not about me, what he gave me, or didn't give me. I just think about the greatness of Hashem. Hashem made the heavens, and Hashem made the earth, and Hashem made creation, not because I'm the beneficiary of it, just because of Magodlu Masecha Hashem, the greatness of your creations, Marobu Masecha Hashem, the infinite creations. And I think about Hashem's awesomeness and greatness and presence, and that just create, causes me to have this tremendous love. Is that really who Hashem is? Also not. So then there's a higher level. When I understand that all of that is minuscule for Hashem, all of creation, and I start thinking about Hashem Himself. This is this conversation can keep on going. In other words, we have the ability always to go to a higher and more truer form of love of Hashem. That's and in that it's limitless. The levels of love, even in loving a person, a child, a spouse, a parent, the love can constantly be deeper and deeper and more truer and more about who they are. The more I get to know them, the more I can appreciate who they are, not what they give me, not because they make me feel good, but the more I appreciate one, the more I can truly love them. Everything I just said about love applies to fear as well. I can fear on the most basic level. If I don't do this, Hashem can give me a patch. And he can, right? And I can talk about Hashem's awesomeness because Hashem created all the animals and all the... And I can talk about Hashem beyond and so on and so forth. So Ava Sashem, Yira Sashem, is an endless journey of reaching deeper and greater heights of loving and fearing Hashem. So when we're saying Viyached Levavenu, we're saying make our love more special, bring it to a deeper level. It shouldn't just be the most basic level, which is also good. But it shouldn't, let it be higher, let it be greater, let it be bigger. Viyachi, make it more miyuchad, more clear, more pristine, more elevated, more refined. That's another meaning of viyached levavenu, to bring our hearts to greater clarity, so that our love and fear of Hashem is greater, deeper, truer, truly more about Hashem. Which leads us to one which is probably going to be our final point for now. It says, To love and fear Hashem, or your name. We'll leave the name for next time, why are you losing the name? Love before fear. Is that the regular order? What's the regular order about fear and love? We have Avas Hashem and Yuras Hashem. Which precedes the other? So, basic Tanya, chapter 41 says that what's reshis ha'avoida ve'ikra ve'sharsha, what's the first step of avoida sashem? Yira sashem. Number one has to be yira sashem. Before love and this, person has to have basic yira shemaim, because yira shemaim, that keeps me doing the right things. Right? I can love Hashem wonderfully. If I don't have basic yira shemaim, I can make mistakes every day. 
So number one is Yiras Hashem, fear of Hashem, and then we work on levels of love and higher love and deeper love. But nevertheless, here in Davening, we're asking for La'ava uli Yira. First we mention Ava and then Yira. Why would we do that? Why would we change the order of where typically fear is the foundation and then love, and here we're davening for love and then fear? And the answer is, has to do with what I just said. When we're talking about the most basic levels, then fear has to be first. Because the basic level is to do what Hashem wants, number one. So on the most basic level, it has to start with Yira Hashem. But after, and then only can be Ava. But when we're talking about Viyachid Levaveno, when we're talking about refining and coming to deeper and greater levels, then it turns around. Then actually, Ava is something that we love and love more, and we come ultimately to the highest form, which is Yira Hashem. Um, in basic, everything is always, how, how everything always works out so beautifully, Yashkacha Pratis. I just, I'll connect this with the first Pasuk of this week's Parsha. The first passage of this expasha is told us, as the Ela told us, these are the children of Yitzchak ben Avraham. Avraham holy des Yitzchak. These are the children of Yitzchak, son of Avram, and Avram, uh, what's the right word for that? Gave birth, or I think more like, like begat or something, which I don't know what that means, but gave birth to Yitzchak. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think begat is more for a father. I think gave birth is more for a mother. I think so. Anyhow, that's what I heard. Anyhow, but in this passage we have, if you think about the words, Elo told us Yitzchak ben Avraham, Avraham holides Yitzchak. So they were mentioned each one twice: Yitzchak, Avraham, Avraham, Yitzchak, and a lot is written about that. But basic. Uh, basic of the Hasidist perspective is that these are four levels in relating to Hashem. Yitzchak is Yira, Avram is Ahava. That's, we know, right? Avram is Chesed, Yitzchak is Gvura, kindness, severity, love, fear. Okay, so what's the first one mentioned in the Pasuk? Yitzchak. Elo told us Yitzchak, because the first thing is Yira is Hashem. That's number one. Then, Ben Avraham. That's Ahava. Basic Yira and Ahava, we start with Yira, basic fear, then there's basic love. Then we move to higher. We, then, okay, fine, I have the basic year session. Basic Avasem, easier said than done. But let's say I'm, I'm, I'm there. Now I want to work upward, work further. So now, an Ava, I go to the next level, and that, which is called Avas Oilam, or Ava, I'm sorry, Ava Rabba, a greater level. And then you come to what's called Yira Yilo, which is the ultimate bittel to Hashem. And the higher levels, Ava precedes Yira. More there's longing, and then there's total, total bittel, total sense, uh, sense of uh, self-nullification to Hashem. So that's why it's Elotolis Yitzchak, Yira Tata, lower level of Yira. Ben Avraham, which is what's called Ahavas Ulam, the lowest, lower level of Ava. Avraham, Ahavarabba, Hulidis Yitzchak, gives birth to Yitzchak, which is Yira Ilah. So therefore, when we say here, Viyachid Levavenu, Viyachid Levavenu, that we're talking about this greater, more refined level of love and fear. So here we mention Ava before Yira, love before fear, because the fear is even on a higher and most more ultimate level. And we'll continue from here next week, Mr. Hashem. Yes? Okay, I have a question. And this is all leading into the Shema and 